Tired of ads crashing your comedy podcast party? Good news. With Amazon Music, you have access to the largest catalog of ad-free top podcasts, included with your Prime membership. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app or visit amazon.com slash comedy ad free. That's amazon.com slash comedy ad free. And catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. And here's your prescription. I know just the pharmacy to get this filled. Who are you? A pharmacy benefit manager. A middleman your insurer uses to decide which medicines you can get, what you pay, and sometimes even which pharmacy you should go to. Why can't I go to a pharmacy in my neighborhood? Because I make more money when you go to a pharmacy I own. <laughs> no one should stand between you and your medicine. Visit phrma.org slash middleman to learn more. Paid for by Pharma. Warning, this podcast contains paranormal conspiracy and true crime cases. The nature of these cases may be gory, unsettling, or vulgar. Please be advised. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Creeps and Crimes, a podcast. I'm Taylor. And I'm Morgan, and this is episode... Um, 64. 64. <laughs> yeah. So... We got a couple announcements. We have many announcements. Just a little. Um, First one okay. is if you aren't on our Patreon yet... Get on there. Go get on there right now, because there are six episodes waiting for you, and they are so so fun and exclusive so good and exclusive the intros Content. are not the same as these intros you guys will love it okay yeah, if you, you really if will. you listen to us and you haven't for a while then get your ass on patreon yeah. it's five dollars a month just you know it's like a netflix subscription that's like one starbucks you just take that's out one starbucks yeah just because netflix is one. not five dollars anymore right and then instead you get like full tfus throughout an entire episode yes so you don't want to miss out basically right. you're gonna love it and another reason why we're telling you to join it is because we're starting to do a patreon of the month starting in january so Ooh. we're going to put all of our patreons in a random like assortment machine that morgan always does for me and the spinny wheel yeah the spinny wheel and she's going to pick it's gonna like randomly pick and she's going to announce the patreon of the month at the first of the ev- first episode of every month and you guys will get a shout out. Yes. And we'll probably maybe text you before and let you know or email you or something. Mm-hmm. Maybe we'll do something extra. I don't know. Yeah, there might be a little surprise in there for yeah. you. Who knows it? Who knows? Who knows? Um, and then, Morgan, do you want to tell them about our giveaway? Yes, I do. So when are we? when did we decide the first On or the third? The third. When the we get back. January 3rd. Um, up until from now to then, <laughs> we are doing a Patreon giveaway boom, 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 where boom, boom, boom. if you are the winner, you will receive six, six months. months worth of free Patreon material. So Woo-hoo! that is 12 entire episodes plus anything that we have already Any released. So ah, I'm get so excited. excited. How do you dun, enter? Dun, dun. So what you're going to do, go over to our Instagram. It'll be up as soon as this uh, episode's up. So if you're listening, go hop onto it. And we are going to make a post. And what you're going to do, you can enter as many times as you would like. You have to tag. From now to the third. Yeah, from now to the third. 
You have to tag three friends and then share the post on your Instagram story and tag us in it. If you don't tag us, we're not going to be able to see it. So you have to make sure you tag us in it and we're going to hop on. So you could get on there and every other day share the post because you get two extra entries if you put the post up. Nice. Whoop, whoop, whoop. You guys hear that? That is content, free exclusive material. That's 12 episodes. For six entire Month. That is insane. A value of thirty dollars. Woo woo woo. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, okay, that's that's okay. Whatever. Well, someone's gonna like, we'll just six pay months it. sounds better. Um, Patreons, don't leave us. <laughs> yeah, don't leave us and then join the um, the contest, the drawing. Then, okay, but if you are on Patreon, okay, you we, can enter. You can, and maybe we'll get you something else. We'll like, get you something else. Like maybe you'll get our test merch. Oh, free test merch. Yeah, maybe we'll send you some test merch. We don't know what what we're going to do. All the terms and conditions and la, 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 la that people say on Instagram will be in the Instagram bio. So yeah, uh, get on there and check that out. Uh, Okay, Morgan, we've been apart for a bit. Like, did y'all hear that? pomp sound what was that i don't know i don't know either (laughs) okay bye (laughs) (laughs) so we've been apart for a bit um we recorded our last episode like a week early because we had some stuff going on we haven't been apart for a bit we just haven't recorded no we haven't i haven't seen you since that morning recording tuesday i have no idea tuesday we were together all day saturday what did we do and we recorded friday did we what did we record friday the Patreon. No, that was last Friday. We no, were together on Saturday. We, yes. We, we recorded the night before we had the engagement party. What did we record? A Patreon. <laughs> the one we're releasing tomorrow. Okay, we did. Okay, but we haven't been with our reg peeps. Okay. okay. We haven't been with you guys. We haven't been with you guys in a week. And I feel like I haven't seen you in forever. No, just... Two days. I'm just lonely. <laughs> it's only been two days. Okay. So, um, I but we still haven't caught them up on my my trip and your finals. Yes. So you want to go ahead and start off with yeah, your finals? Yeah, finals went well. They went explicit. Good. Or, wait, what's explicit mean? It Not explicit. Bad, like, no, it, it went the opposite of that. It went great. Yeah. They went great. Okay. Got a good, good, good score. Got a good, good grade in the yes. class. Glad. Proud of you. And your trip? It was so much fun. We had, me and Arletta had the best so time. Jealous. We went to Savannah one night for dinner and we ate at the Pink House, I think is the name of it. And you have to like have reservations to get into like the main floor. Uh-huh. And the lady was like, oh, well, actually, we don't have any reservations here tonight, but you can go downstairs. And we were like, huh? She like points at this stairwell that's like dirty like it looks crazy oh no we go down into this it's a straight up speakeasy vibe in the bottom no shit was amazing dude it was so cool we met the coolest people the owner was there that night so they had like a private pianist here i'm like what how did we come across this So anyways, we're down there and we're talking to the waiter about everything. And he was like, oh, yeah, this house was actually owned by Thomas Jefferson. And a portion of the Declaration of Independence was written here. And there was this vault that was discovered in 2016 in the back. And he like, let us go see this vault. And I was like, what happened down here? Oh, my God. And who is this owner? 
that she just owned some shit that was owned by Thomas Jefferson. Yeah. Like, what? what? Like, ooh. <laughs> so, yeah. I was just like, Holy what is shit. going on? I haven't done it. I haven't, like, read up on it Savannah's yet. a really cool place. Savannah's so a, cool. a lot of history. Yeah, and it's so spooky. And yeah. I, I've always said it. You probably know it already, but like, my favorite book slash movie is Midnight in the Garden of Good and Evil. Mm-hmm. And... Oh my god, it's just so spooky I don't think I've ever perfect. seen it uh, or read it. I know I haven't read it. It's so good. It's but. so good. I really love it. So yeah, that that's that. And then we have some reviews that we want to catch you guys up on that are so effing sweet. Yeah, so Taylor, I'm going to let you read the first one because, well, it's it's one of your peeps. So. Okay, I got it pulled up oh, on mine uh, so that way you can... I didn't even get to reread it before, so they're going to get to hear me stutter. Oh, goodness. Marty, are you listening? okay just he double checking thanks for the shout out <laughs> so um this one is one billion stars and it's got five stars with it i wish it was one billion uh by the way we're at 90 ratings get right us now. to 100 by the first of the year please and we'll drop a bonus app oh yeah okay that's the deal we'll drop a bonus if you do that drop a beat. thank you okay drop a, drop a bonus on this bitch <laughs> It says, if you like conspiracies, paranormal, and true crime, this podcast is for you. I wasn't sure how conspiracies and true crime would go together, but I never realized that it was exactly what I've been missing. Us too. Buckle up and put on your big girl panties because you're in for an awesome ride. I've been listening to this show daily since I met Taylor at Ironworks Grill. If you guys remember a few episodes ago, I talked about this. Um, I was work. I was there working on a slow day and came over to chat because she was with some adorable German Shepherd puppies and little did I expect what I would actually get out of that encounter. Yes, I was with my mother-in-law's puppies. Um, personally, I feel like I've gotten to know Taylor and Morgan and I have absolutely loved hearing the evolution of this podcast. Y'all crack me up to the point of tears sometimes yet also manage to gross me out and even make me cry. I love, love, love what y'all stand for, including women's rights, LGBTQ plus rights, mental health, and pretty much, and I pretty much always find myself nodding in agreement with whatever y'all are talking about. I love getting to hear about what's going on in y'all's lives. I totally read that wrong. Sorry. Um, so never feel bad about updating us. And I always listen to the TFUs. Yes. Thank you. All right. I really love the wisdom that I feel like y'all are bringing to all generations, honestly, because I even got my mom listening to y'all on a road trip to Orlando and she loves y'all too. She would even ask for updates after she would wake up from her naps. <laughs> I have been burning the candle from both ends on these episodes, and I'm finally caught up. I'm so excited to see what you fabulous ladies are going to bring us next. Keep up the amazing work, and let's get creepy. Dolly's dad. Love. Oh, thank you so much, Dolly's dad. Thank you. Um, the next one we have says, girls, fix your crowns you guys five stars you guys rock pack your bags y'all will be going to the webbies i started at episode one and to date i'm at episode 42 in 15 days (laughs) yes 15 days love you guys and i can't wait to get current oh and try all beach haven wine they're all amazing they ship Team Crimes. Crimes. <laughs> you okay, guys, that's like the first Team Crimes I've gotten in a All long right. time. Everybody's Team Creep. Okay. All right. Okay. So anyway, wait, the Re- Webby's talk. What's our time? 10 minutes. Yeah, I'll be good. real quick. So we get this review and Taylor's like, okay, the Webby's, let's do it. Let me look up And I'm it. like, oh, well, let's just like take 
please let's just chill for a second. I'm like, no, I'm, I'm putting this and in right now. And she's like, no, Webby. So we go, we get on. She gets on the website and sends it to me. She goes, it's four hundred and fifty dollars <laughs> per entry. So like, if you want to enter for like best co-host, four fifty. Right. If you want to enter in the true crime portion, another four fifty. So if you guys would like to see us at the Webbies in the year 2022, please Venmo us at Morgan Mounts um, and Taylor Dash Hooker. Taylor Dash Hooker. Before tomorrow. Before tomorrow when it closes. Um, <laughs> just kidding. By next year, we have enough listeners. You can all Venmo us $1 and we would be there. We would be I'm there. I'm totally kidding. Don't Venmo us. But if you do, um, remember that's at Morgan Mounts so I can go shopping. Thank you. <laughs> Anyway, maybe oh you'll catch God. us there. It's a goal now. Yes. I didn't even know it existed. And you didn't know that it existed. No, I didn't. And that's why we drank one in like 2019 or 2018. Yeah, well, we'll be there with them. Guys, I'm... That's my goal. That's my goal here. It's a new goal. Yep. It's Put another there. one in the pot. That's on Let's top. Let's do it, baby. So um, we're probably not going to be able to do it by this year, but next year, next mm-hmm. December, the 27th annual Webby's Award um see us there see us there vote for us okay all right guys uh morgan hit them with it if you're driving throw that shit on cruise control if you got a glass pour that shit up and let's get a creepy Okay, Morgan, what do you have for us today? Okay, today I have a crazy possession case. Like it Uh. is like... I think it's my favorite. And you know what? Doing the notes, I was like, oh my God, did I talk about this before? But I haven't. Okay. I I don't know. Actually, no, I haven't. I haven't updated the episode guide, so who knows? (laughs) Who knows? I just think they all sound really similar in a way. But um, it was the inspiration and the true story behind the movie, The Exorcism of Emily Rose. Oh. I don't know if you've ever seen that. I haven't, but I have to watch it now. Yeah, okay. I have to watch it too. Um, sources, wikipedia.org, ding, 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 all that's interesting.com, the washingtonpost.com, rtd.rt, sounds like r2d2, um, the mirror.co.uk, youtube.com, and chasingthefrog.com. Sorry. <laughs> um, Anna Elizabeth Michael, or Annalise for short, was born on September 21st, 1952 in Bavaria, West Germany. Annalise was one of four children, all girls, to parents Joseph and Anna Michael. And the Michael family was like about as religious as they come. Ooh. Prior to the birth of Annalise, her mother gave birth to a, quote, illegitimate child, her sister Martha. Illegitimate meaning out of wedlock. Oh, okay. As a punishment for her sin, Anna, Annalise's mother, had to wear a black veil on her wedding day. Like, it was, like, very, it was taken very seriously. That's, like, traumatizing. Absolutely. It totally ruins the pictures. Exactly. I mean, it kind of be cool, a little. I mean, like, if you go to Black Paytas loves that. Trisha Payton <laughs> does love that. Yes. When Annalise was born, her mother slowly began to impose the idea that both Annalise and her mother needed to atone for her sins. And they needed to do this through religious devotion because Annalise was the first legitimate child. Yeah. She felt like she was a sin, too, I guess. Okay. How does that work? I don't know. But when her, her illegitimate child, I hate that word, but it's just what they use. Let's then. just say out of wedlock child or just regular effing child. When her first child, Martha, her sister Martha, died during surgery and <gasps> operation to remove a kidney tumor, 
Four years after Annalise was born, their mother, Anna, became even more assertive into pushing her kids into a religious practice. Oh, like God. it was like it just got worse and worse and worse. Um, they were members of the Roman Catholic Church and they attended mass twice a week. Her father had even considered training as a priest once and three of her aunts were nuns. So it was a very, very strict Catholic family. Growing up, Annalise was very caring and a kind young girl. She was devoted to the Catholic Church. Um, During her middle school years, Annalise would sleep on the stone floor with no blankets to, quote, suffer for the sins of the homeless drug addicts and other damned souls. Uh, So I have no words. And she was like in middle school. Like this is like a young, young teenager. When she was 16 years old, Annalise had unexpectedly blacked out at school. Um, But that wasn't the most tragic part. During her blackout, she began walking through the school very dazed and confused. Um, When she came to, she wasn't aware of the event. She didn't remember what she had just done. But family, friends, and teachers said that she was in, like, this trance-like state. Oh, God. Like, no one could communicate with her. She was just walking the halls of the school. Ooh. The family had assumed that this was, like, a one-time thing. Maybe she fell asleep in class, was just sleepwalking, and it wasn't this giant blackout that the teachers are making it seem to be. Right. Um, but even given the bizarre aspects of the event, they decided not to pursue medical help. Oh, Okay. Until a year later, um, when something similar but yet more disturbing happened to Annalise. While in bed, she woke up yet again in this like trance-like state, and she wet her bed. Her body began to go through like a series of convulsions as her body was like shaking uncontrollably. Um, her parents witnessed this event. I don't know if they heard it or how right. they witnessed it, but they were there. And afterwards, they decided that the best thing to do for their daughter was to visit a neurologist to get some medical treatment. Got it. So they did. And Annalise was diagnosed with something called temporal lobe epilepsy. Temporal lobe epilepsy can cause seizures, loss of memory, and it is also possible to experience both visual and auditory hallucinations. Okay. Um. Briefly, I want to talk about something if it's kind of controversial, so don't come at me, but I think it's important to mention in here. Um, A disorder called Jeshwin syndrome is commonly seen with people who are diagnosed with temporal lobe epilepsy. Mm -hmm. Um, And it might be Jeshwin or Geshwin. Um, I think it's Geshwin. Geshwin syndrome is controversial um, because it's argued that it's not a true neuropsychiatric disorder. Okay. So it's like not like by the book. It's like how people, some people view ADHD. Yeah. Okay. Um, But there is one thing that I do want to mention about it since the majority of my segment is or, no, it is associated with religion. Um, Geshwin syndrome can include five primary mental changes. Um, These are called hypergraphia, atypical sexuality, circumstantiality, and intense mental instability and hyperreligiosity. Um, hyper-religiosity is a specific change that I want to briefly mention again, because remember, this is very controversial. Um, and if anyone suffers from this, like, I don't want to be offending anyone. You right. Know? Um, hyper-religiosity is a psychiatric disturbance in which a person can experience intense religious beliefs or episodes that will interfere with their normal functioning in life. And it's usually brought on by people who are, like, very, very devoted. So it's kind of like being, like, a form of like brainwash like stockholm almost like, almost yeah yeah like that's the best way i can compute it please don't be angry and then if you, you want to associate us, that too. with 
um, temporal lobe epilepsy. Okay. It can cause hallucinations. And if you're suffering from hyper-religiosity, those hallucinations will often be God, the devil, oh, got it. saints, you know, right. stuff like Religious that. Religious figures. Right. So it could possibly explain a lot that I'm about to dig into, but also maybe not. Um, I just wanted to throw that out there before I get into this, and we'll kind of talk about it later on. So after her temporal lobe epilepsy diagnosis, Annalise began taking medication almost immediately. Um, With the medication, she was able to finish her high school education and enroll into the University of Wurzburg. Again, that's a German name. I'm sure I'm saying it wrong. Is it a V if it's got a W? Uh, Würzburg. Volkswagen? (laughs) Würzburg. Würzburg. Um, She started student teaching at the university, and peers would later describe her as being a deeply religious person raised by deeply religious parents, as we already know. Mm -hmm. The medicine seemed to be helping, but not for long. After four years of receiving medical treatment, Annalise had become severely depressed, and her condition began to worsen. So as each year went by, it just seemed as if she herself began to deteriorate. Oh, God. Annalise came to her parents and told them something extremely disturbing, that she would see the face of the devil wherever she went, and she would hear demons whispering in her ear throughout her prayers, saying that Annalise, quote, was damned and that she would, quote, rot in hell. Jesus. Yeah. So Annalise herself concluded that she was, in fact, possessed by the devil. And she went to her parents and told them that she needs help, that the medicine wasn't working and she needs to go to the church. So when the family sought out help from their local priests, um, like a lot of possession cases go, they rejected saying that, well, you know, you should seek some medical help first. And besides, there's nothing that we can do right now because we need permission from the bishop. Right. Um, and this is when Annalise's condition worsened beyond repair. Like it was very extreme. She continued to take medication for her convulsions though. And these medications were known to provide, um, hallucinations. Mm. Um, but she would continue to take these medications up until a year to her death. Um, she would not be in the presence or she could not be in the presence of any religious body as well as any religious place. She refused to walk by crucifixes as well as refusal to drink the water of a Christian holy spring. Um, She could no longer look at pictures of saints because she said that they would just sparkle and glisten so, like, intensely that her eyes just couldn't handle it. Gosh. She couldn't look at them. She became basically intolerant of all sacred places and objects. Um. When at home, her behavior was erratic as well. And whenever you become intolerant of, like, sacred objects, Mm -hmm. it's a huge sign to, like, um, priest and other religious figures that you are possessed. Like, that's one of their main things that they look for. So her parents were desperate for help. They wanted any help at all. And they finally did find a priest, Ernest Alt, um, who believed that Annalise was, in fact, possessed and that this wasn't just some neurological condition, that she was misdiagnosed. She's possessed. There's nothing wrong with this girl. The demon has taken over her. Right. So he urged the local bishop to allow for an exorcism to be performed on Annalise. And finally, Bishop Joseph Stengel approved the request and granted her local priest named Arnold Renz um, permission to perform the exorcism. But the bishop gave very specific rules. He stated that the exorcism needed to be done in total secrecy. Oh. So no one could know about it. Well, they totally pulled that one off, huh? 
Yeah, they did a real good job of that. Um, In September of 1975, the first exorcism on Annalise took place, and it didn't help. Annalise began suffering from severe suicide attempts afterwards. So they performed a second exorcism, and again, it didn't help. They decided that their best bet was to bring in the bishop himself. So Bishop Joseph Stengel, the one who granted the permission for her to be exercised, performed the third exorcism on her. Um, after this third exorcism, they believed that all was better, all was okay, and they had finally rid Annalise of her demons until they returned back the next day, the demons. Oh. They came back. Over the next 10 months, there were a total of 67 exorcisms conducted on Annalise. Oh, my gosh. Each carried out for at least four hours. Oh, my gosh. Over this time, Annalise revealed that she was possessed by six demons. And I'm going to say these names because they're not actual demon names that you're not supposed to say. Okay. Um, Lucifer, Cain, Nero, um, Judas Iscariot, and a disgrace who, who was a disgraced priest, and Adolf Hitler. Oh, she was possessed by Hitler. Oh, my gosh. Um, Each of these demons would fight for power over her body and they would communicate from her mouth with like this low growling voice. You know, your typical possession demon voice. And these six demons would argue with each other. Um, It was reported that Hitler would come through and say things like people are stupid pigs. They think it's all over after death, but it goes on. And then a different demon, Judas, would come back and say, like, Hitler was nothing but a big mouth who had no real say in hell. Like, it was like they were fighting and... Who's the worst person here? Yeah, and Hitler's <laughs> like, well, shit, I mean, I'm pretty bad. <laughs> hey, take me, I'm the one. I'm the one. But then also Lucifer. Lucifer's <laughs> like, okay, Hitler, like, do you want to go? Like, like, do you, you want to meet square me? up? Do you want to meet me in the ring? We are both the worst humans that were ever, well... I mean, technically, arguably, he was was an angel, the worst beings that ever were to exist. Yeah. Um, The demons told Annalise numerous times that she was suffering as a repercussion of her mother's sin. Oh, so, yeah. Um, Every exorcism, Annalise was restrained. At one point, she had broke the bones in her knees (gasps) and ripped the tendons of her knees out to prevent her from ever kneeling down for prayer again. Annalise began talking about, quote, dying to atone for the wayward youth of the day and the apostate priest of the modern church, whatever that means. I don't know what that means. Me neither. But if you're religious, I'm sure you do. Let us know what that means. Um, Over the 67 exorcisms, they were all recorded using 43 tape cassettes. (gasps) The tapes were confiscated eventually, and we'll get to that. But um, one of the priests had made copies, and you can actually go on YouTube to watch these tapes i have to see they were audio tapes though um over time annalise claimed that mother mary would regularly visit her and told her to do penitence for the lost souls annalise would agree um to what mother mary was claiming and then would plunge deeper into like this demonic second life mother mary hello yeah please help i don't think it was mother mary yeah i don't (laughs) think it was um just about everyone that knew what was going on with annalise believed that she had been chosen as a victim soul to suffer for everyone else's sins in the world Oh, so just like, like Jesus. Really, yeah, which is like really intense. That's like really like almost sacrilegious. Like. Yeah. Um, over the course of her exorcisms, um, a couple of things that Annalise did, um, believing that she was possessed by the devil, 
was once she ripped the clothes off of her body, um, she would compulsively do 400 squats a day. So Whoa. the devil does not skip a leg day. The devil <laughs> has a nice ass. Okay. Uh, I'm not saying that I want that. But like but 400 squats a day, like my shit would be popping. I would, my backside. Yeah. Would Can be you great. just imagine like compulsively, like I have to do my squats like 400. Like I'm not trying to make Maybe that's what her, gym like, bros have. Like they're, maybe possessed. they're just all possessed. Yeah. Gym rats. You're yeah. possessed. Gym rats. <laughs> like side note. Hey, wish I was you, but also like you might be possessed. Um, <laughs> Annalise would crawl under the family table and bark like a dog. Oh, God. She stayed under the table for two whole days, (gasps) barking like a dog. That's so awful. She would eat spiders. She would eat the coal from the fireplace, like the ash, ashy coal. Um, And she once bit the head off of a dead bird. Um, um, finally, she would pee on the floor and then bend down and lick up her own urine. I cannot anymore. No. <laughs> that is... Like, the th- squats were okay, Annalise. Yeah. Stay with the squats, girly. Stay with hey, the squats. Hey, be bub. Let her stick with the squats. Um, at the end of the 10 months, Annalise slowly stopped eating and drinking. Oh, gosh. Her parents decided to take her off her medication, and they became, like, were solely relying on the exorcisms to heal their daughter. On July 1st, 1976, the last exorcism took place. During this exorcism, Annalise was so weak and fragile that her parents had to, like, pick her up and carry her around and take her through the motions. Like, she wasn't even fighting back at this point. That's so awful. Um, The final attempt to free her of her demons, she looked at her exorcist, the priest, and said beg for absolution and then she looked at her parents and said mother i am afraid oh and she closed her eyes and that was the last time annalise would ever take another breath oh no she died that day weighing only 68 pounds <gasps> at the age of 23 oh my god autopsy reports showed that she died of dehydration and undernourishment enhanced by pneumonia after her death, her story became a sensation in Germany. Yeah. Like it was national, not even just Germany. Like it was like, it was news. It was right. big, big news. Um, her parents and the two priests who conducted the exorcism were charged with negligent homicide. Oh. They came to court with her exorcism tapes to attempt to justify their actions. But officials and medical professionals came back saying that Annalise um, would have survived the pneumonia if she had been force fed. Like if she had received medical treatment even a week before her death, this girl would be alive. Oh, like it just came to the point where I think like the parents had became obsessed with like the freeing the demons from their daughter that they weren't caring for her. But I also saw in other reports that Annalise herself um decided to fast because she wanted to suffer like she was refusing to eat but i'm not sure it was different on a lot of different reports this is a sad case yeah it's really fucked up the two priests were found guilty of manslaughter resulting from negligence and were sentenced to six months in jail that's it that's it in three years of probation that's not just wait the parents who push the entire thing for the whole entire 10 months, all 67 exorcisms were exempt from any punishment or sentencing because, quote, they had suffered enough. Who? Uh, 
Um, what the fuck? Okay, I, I literally can't. Yeah, I'm speechless. Yeah. Um, in an interview in 2005, <laughs> and the mother said, "Quote: God told us to exercise my daughter's demons. I don't regret her death." Oh, oh. I'm calling the police. <laughs> oh, you're going to jail, sweetheart. Except for you're not, obviously. Because you're exempt. I guess, like, it's actually, like, a German law or something. I was reading a little bit about it. I don't yeah. know the actual name, but it's, like, a real thing. Like, if you lose a loved one and, I don't know, you're if in you that lose, Okay, well, what if you're the one who murdered them? Right. Well, I think that's probably a different case, but because this is, like, a negligence case... I mean, they are the ones that they I don't really, know. I mean, I don't I don't want to like put my two cents in it yeah. that much. But it just it's like a fine line between it, was she really possessed or was this mental illness like what you were talking about in the beginning? Because if they were just blinded by their religious views, mm-hmm. then they were not giving her the proper medical treatment. But right. if it was a true possession. Right. Then they yeah. were doing the best that they could. Yeah, she was this one lady who wrote this book. She said that basically I have it all written here. Okay, go ahead. No, I'll just tell you what she said, that it could have been different um, if she didn't have epilepsy Mm -hmm. um, and she was treated as she did have epilepsy and she was receiving this medication that was causing hallucinations and Mm -hmm. she had the religious whatever it was called. Yeah. it would have like intensified her hallucinations. This medication that she got, got that she didn't need would have intensified her hallucinations. And then the, you bring in the religious aspects. Like, right. Yeah. yeah there's a lot. There's a lot of lines here. Yeah. So her story was made into the movie, the exorcism of Emily Rose that was released in 2005. She was featured in a book titled the exorcism of Annalise Michael. Um, I'll I'll just read what this lady wrote because she says it in a better way than I did. Um, Her name is Felicity's Goodman. Um, She wrote the book or she is in the book somehow. But in the book, she says that an incorrect diagnosis might have been the leading cause of her tragic fate. That if in reality she didn't have epilepsy, the medications that she received could have aggravated her mental state and intensified the diabolic hallucinations, which would push her further into believing that she was possessed. Because a lot of the times with possession, you never, well, in cases that we've covered, you never go to someone and say, I'm possessed. Right. Like, it's normally, like, outside family and friends saying something's wrong with that boy. Because they don't, like, the demons themselves don't want to be. Exactly. They don't want people to know. No. Right. You know? So I thought that it was very weird that, like, in this one case, like, she was. (sighs) This is. Yeah, so um, that's Exorcism of Annalise Michael. But before I end, Taylor, I have some pictures for you. Oh, yeah. Um, so this is Annalise um, prior oh, to she's everything. Oh, she's beautiful. Yeah, a beautiful girl. Um, this oh, is God. during the exorcism. These oh, are real pictures. She looks like a child, like a baby. She, Yeah, she was found with like bruised ribs, black eyes, um, oh, like... God fractured bones all over her oh lord um this is her mother like holding her up during it when she had broken knees oh guys she couldn't stand i'm so torn in this case yeah this could almost qualify as a true crime and this is the picture right before she died (gasps) oh no it doesn't even look like that girl that doesn't even look like her no 
that like you can tell though like in the nose and the teeth like yeah she looked that, just like emaciated yeah is that the correct word to use like just like so malnourished like yeah like a hundred pounds lighter than she should be very ill like if you looked at her and said she doesn't need medical treatment that's negligence yeah and um yeah, the pictures are really disturbing. The case itself is disturbing. I never do shit like this. No, I, I'm really loving it because I'm dark like that, but I hate it. <laughs> um, if you want to pause it, I'm going to play you a YouTube clip. Okay, I'm so excited for this. Okay, I had to literally <laughs> make her turn it off after 10 seconds because it is scary. Yeah, it is scary. That is awful. So like, it brings me like to a standstill because yeah. I want to believe that um, like her parents were doing the right thing. Right. And that she was possessed. I mean, regardless, they should have, like, after noticing your daughter hasn't eaten in months, like, right. you should have probably she's eating cold. taken her to a medical professional right. to get her tube fed. If you want, like, you're doing this for her well-being. And if you notice that she's 68 pounds, she's broken bones, like, she does need medical treatment. And priests can perform why wasn't there a doctor there? Like there the Rodney been, or whatever the kid was. That was in the hospital. Yes. The, the crucifix the, turned upside down. Yes. Yeah. That one, like they were performing that in the hospital. And I'm pretty sure like, I don't know the laws like that go with an exorcism, but a doctor should always be there. Right. And there was not a doctor no. because her exorcisms were performed in total secrecy. <sighs> and, um, but like a lot of it, like, like the first part of the tapes, like they almost sound like faked. But yeah. not faked, not faked, because in her head, I truly believe that she thought that yeah. she was possessed. Mm -hmm. But I'm just at a standstill to think that, like, okay, was she possessed or was she um, had something else neurologi neurologically going on? Mm -hmm. She received this medication that was making her hallucinate. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I just I'm just like between and she was sorry to interrupt. No, you, but okay. she was raised to, exactly she was raised to repent from her mother's sins yes. it wasn't her it was you need to you know that's why i literally am like i don't know if this is like first off obviously there's trauma involved in this case absolutely 100 yeah. like you can't convince me otherwise if my mom said that i was at fault for stuff my entire life like i'm gonna have some issues mm -hmm. and i'm not here to say by any means that like I, I don't I just don't want us to be coming off as offensive because this is very likely a mental health. Um, yeah. I, uh, not issue. Uh, disorder. Disorder like that. That is presented in this way because of her upbringing. Mm -hmm. But there is. OK, so let's say it really was possession. Maybe it didn't start off as that and it turned to that mm -hmm. because, you know, whatever but i because the growls was, sounded yeah demonic very demonic but like you can't i i can't produce that right now no but the the word like the speaking parts were very um i could make that sound mm -hmm. right now so i mean again this is like with every possession case but for me the like trauma that led up to it the medical the diagnosis yes the medical professional professionals like di original diagnosis the medication having involved. a full ass trial right and yeah literally and so I, I like i'm like at a line i'm like at a like i don't know i'm like mm -hmm. at a crossroads with this but it's a crazy case so what yeah it is a crazy case what do you think about 
um, the priest and the parents being charged. Do okay. I think that's absolute bullshit. They should have all been in prison for manslaughter. And I mean, I don't know what the laws are in Germany, especially but, in the seventies. Exactly. So like, let's just say this was in the U.S. right now. Like, I think they should go for not first degree, maybe manslaughter, mm-hmm. maybe even second degree murder, because this is just you see that she's going to die. I mean, the pictures. Yeah. I, I guys, like I can't, we obviously can't, can't. post these awful, no. horrific pictures. No. But well, if you look them up. You'll see them. You'll see. And she, with all the injuries that she had, like. Her tendons and her knees. Like what? Torn. Like what? Yeah. Anyway, it's a very dark case. I don't do shit like this, but I I hate to say I loved it, but I really enjoyed this side of you. I really did. The investigation in it really got me. The darkness. Oh, yeah. The confusion. Is this case considered a crime? I think it is. Are we doing two crime episodes today? I think we both, I think, okay, so what you guys don't know yet and what Morgan doesn't even know yet is that mine kind of dips into some satanic stuff too. Oh, shit. So we're going to have a dark episode. Yes. Sorry. Like, Merry Christmas. (laughs) (laughs) We're Scrooge. Literally. Um, If you guys do, like, if you're, like, really interested in this case, a quick Google search of Annalise Michael exorcism will bring up the audio tapes on YouTube. They're yeah. everywhere. You can't miss them. Um, so check them out. <sighs> if you want, I recommend you don't, but <laughs> check them out. I'm going to say if you also, do Also like being your possessed by Hitler. Yeah. That's another thing. I was like, mm, that, okay. Like I'm not like, it's not funny. It's not funny at all, but it's just like, like we know or we don't know like we're like being I'm being kind of cocky right now but like there's a certain there's certain demons that do possess you that yeah. get to this point and well they're very what? powerful there's thir- seven seven is it seven main powerful ones and not one of them were in her six list. exactly like the fact that you could list them right. to me tells me everything I need to know yeah you know everybody's like what the hell do you guys know and we're like (laughs) well (laughs) one day we'll come out with our personal story on patreon (laughs) (laughs) but it's if if you get the gist of what we're even talking about right now you understand now why we don't talk about it yeah so yeah um i loved it though i hated it i loved it i hated it too but it was it was a good one it was a great one okay you're up sis all right Looking to start your spiritual journey or connect with a loved one that has passed? Psychic medium Susan Edwards with Angel Wings and Healing Things has the ability to kickstart your spiritual awakening. Susan has 30 years of experience and is a certified angelic medium with a passion for speaking to deceased loved ones while leading you on your spiritual journey. Being a holy fire karuna reiki master and working with sound therapy, Susan has the ability to teach you all of the skills you need to protect, release, and grow your energy. I personally have been seeing Susan since December of 2019. Throughout our time working together, she has brought me peace with my loved ones, helped me connect to my guides and cleanse myself and my home many of times. Want to connect with your past life? Susan is a certified consulting hypnotist that has the ability to do just that. Susan is located in Knoxville, Tennessee and offers in-person or over-the-phone readings. 
Because of the amazing lessons, readings, and healings that we have gotten, Taylor and I have decided to partner with Susan to bring you the same level of peace that she has delivered to us. To receive 10% off of your first reading with Susan, message Angel Wings and Healing Things on Facebook or text 704-562-3476 to set up your appointment telling her that we sent you. You might need it after listening to us. That is 10% off your first reading. Message Angel Wings and Healing Things on Facebook or text 704-562-3476 and tell her we sent you. (coughs) East Tennessee people, listen up. Do you have an engagement, graduation, or wedding coming up? Or do you just want to spice up your social media? Look no further because we have the photographer for you. Best Picks is a Knoxville-based photographer that is down to travel, hype you up, and show off your smile. Lexi is the photographer that brought us our season two photos and new logo. So we know she's amazing. Feel good about the money you spend on a photographer by choosing Best Picks. She is a voice for those who are not heard and works hard to give her clients the best sessions possible. With her confidence boosting morale and kind heart, you won't just get a session, but a friend for life. You can find Lexi on Instagram and Facebook at Best Picks or her website, bestpicks.com. To book your session today, email alexandra.best.king at gmail.com. You won't regret it. L-I-T-B, sister! Did you miss our lash ads? Well, guess what? We are back with even more. Afterlife Lash Extensions is a Knoxville-based lash studio that offers everything from classics to super volume. Not in Knoxville? Or would you rather have falsies? Afterlife Lashes has it all with their own strip lashes for sale on Instagram at Afterlife Lashes. All of their products are foam mink, silk material that is vegan, cruelty-free, and is sent to you in a reusable coffin packaging that is so cute and so on brand. With three years experience and a three-time certified lash artist, Afterlife Lashes is here to give you the best experience possible. Take a nap on their ultra soft lash beds with great music and even better vibes. Use our code creeps and crimes to get 40% off your entire order of falsies on afterlifelashes.com. To book an extension appointment, DM Afterlife Extensions on Instagram and mention Creeps and Crimes podcast to receive 40% off any service offered. Happy lashing. Okay, now it's my turn. All right, what do you got for us? So, I can't find it. What do you have for us today? Uh, the case I have for you guys. Sorry, I'm like going through all my Princess Polly orders right now. <laughs> Trying to find it. Okay, I found it. Um, but then I messed up the track. Okay, guys, I'm back. Um, so, the case I have for you today is the case of Arliss Perry. My sources are Mojo Morning Blog, Wikipedia, Palo Alto Online.com, Netflix, The Son of... S- Sam, the sons of Sam. Oh a, shit! I'm not doing the son. Of, I'm oh. not doing the son of Sam. Uh, uh, a decent. A oh my god, what is that word? Descent into the darkness. Descent. Descent. Okay, thank you. Um, <laughs> Google News, and I specifically use the Lodi News Sentinel. Um, Case Files, True Crime Podcast, one of my favorite podcasts, Crime Junkie Podcast, The Mercury News, The Stanford Daily, DonnaGore.com. Um, Unresolved Emmy and ABC Oxygen and Reddit, of course. Nice. So let's just jump right into this. 19-year-old Arliss Perry was born and raised in Linton, North Dakota. You know how I feel about the Dakotas. They don't exist. They don't exist. (laughs) (laughs) 
It was where she met her high school sweetheart, Bruce D. Perry. Bruce went off to college in Massachusetts. However, he dropped out after being accepted into Stanford University's pre-med program. While Arliss stayed in North Dakota and went to a local, local university and just worked. So after a year of doing this in August of 1974, which basically in 1974 meant that they were having long distance phone calls that costed a pretty penny and lots of letters making them basically pen pals. The couple decided to get married so Arliss could move to Stanford, California to live with Bruce. The reason I phrase it like that is because Arliss was extremely religious and did not want to live together before marriage. So the two got married, moved into the campus housing for married students. Would hate to have an illegitimate child. <laughs> and then all that <laughs> shit happened. Um, <laughs> blaming on your next child your entire life. Um, Bruce started his sophomore year of pre-med. Arliss began working as a receptionist at a local law firm while volunteering and being heavily involved in the campus church, Stanford Memorial Church. And everything was perfect, like exactly how they dreamt of it. These are high school sweethearts that were like madly in love with each other. It was just like perfect, like everything was right. Well, on October 12th, 1974, just six weeks after getting married, Bruce and Arliss began walking across the Stanford campus to the mailboxes so they could send letters home. And this was like around 11 p.m. is when they left their apartment. It's awfully late. Or dorm. Well, I think they were just like, that's when they both got off work and done with classes and then like ate dinner. And then we're like, okay, now let's go. Yeah. So the reason why they were walking is because the tire pressure in their car was low and like too low to be driven that much before getting air put in it. And on this walk, the two began like bickering about whose job it was to fill it up. And in my opinion, it's, his. it's Bruce's. Okay. Yeah. Bruce, buddy. <laughs> Bruce, it's you. Um, and basically, this is just like a newlywed fight. I want to probably say it's like six weeks in. This is probably like the largest one that they've gotten in yet. And it got pretty heated. So as they're walking back from the mailboxes, they pass the campus church that Arliss like loved and was super involved in that I was talking about earlier. So she told Bruce, just go back to the dorms. I need to go into the church and pray and calm down. You just go chill out. Okay. Okay. So Bruce heads back to the dorms and Arliss was in the church at approximately 1130. So that's a point that she walked in. When Arliss walked in, there were two people that were in the pews and they noticed her and the two witnesses watched as she walked to the front of the church and prayed at the altar on the left side of it. After a few minutes, a couple got up to leave and as they were leaving, they watched as an early to mid-twenties man with blonde hair parted down the middle entered the doors and walked into the church. Okay. They noted this because the church was about to close at midnight like it did every night, but, you know, they're not going to judge someone for wanting to get, like, a quickie prayer in, so they just, like, were like, "Mm, I'm going to go on about minding my business, but it's about to close. So at 12.10 a.m., the security guard for the campus, who was running late, announced that the church was now closed before looking around and not seeing anybody. And so he just like went through and did his normal routine of locking all the doors and the windows and everything and then left. Meanwhile, in the dorm, Bruce is like getting pretty worried about Arliss. So he leaves to go walk back to the church where he had left her, thinking that he was just going to like pass her walking back. But when he gets all the way to the church, he gets worried, and that worry only grows when he tries to open the doors to find that they're locked. 
So he's like knocking on them, yelling for her while like knocking on them and peeking through the windows, but he can't see anything. He doesn't hear. So he's like, well, maybe she went back to the mailbox. Like maybe she found a another envelope in her purse that she forgot and just went to go mail it before coming home. So he walks back there and tracing the exact same path that they always took. But Arliss was not there. So he heads back home thinking like she'll just be sitting on the couch waiting for me when I get back. He opens the door, walks in, searches the inside. But again, nothing. Bruce paces and panics. And as the clock strikes 2 a.m. And by 3, he's like full down break breakdown panic like not okay something's not right he's looked all over for her can't find her so he calls the police and he's like my 19 year old bride is missing like i left her at the church the church doors are locked maybe she got locked inside can you go check like whatever so police go by the church thinking that maybe she had just gotten locked inside and when they got there they found exactly what bruce did All the doors were locked, just like he said. So they just go to each of the doors, knocking, yelling for her, looking through each of the windows, not seeing her, not hearing from her. So they're like, she's not in there. And they leave. And they're just like, I'm sure she was just mad at him and went to go stay with a friend. But what these officers didn't know is that Arliss was nothing like that. And on top of that, she had just moved there and didn't really know anybody other than her husband. Like, she just started working at her job. There were no friends to go to. Exactly. So at 5.30 a.m., the security guard for the campus named Stephen Crawford, the one that had locked up the church the first time, heads back to the church that he had locked up just hours before to unlock the doors for the day. But when he gets there, he notices that the back door had been broken into, or should I say broken out of. Oh, So he enters the church with his flashlight and he's like yelling out for anybody in the building to like respond or like let him know that they're there, whatever. So he just is like sweeping through the pews one by one and he makes his way up to the altar, which is when he sees her. Trigger warning because I'm about to like give some really graphic detail, okay? Um, On the left side of the altar where she had been praying just hours earlier is Arliss's lifeless body. Naked from the waist down, she is lying face up with her hands folded across her chest, holding an altar candle between her breast with her blouse ripped open. Her pants had been draped on her legs and then placed in a diamond formation and major trigger warning. Okay, here's your warning. Skip ahead if you want to. Um, There was a three foot altar candle inserted into her vagina. Oh, my God. And an ice pick sticking out of the left side of her head with the handle missing. Oh, my God. This was an absolutely gruesome scene. And the police were called immediately. At 6 a.m., police went to Arliss and Bruce's apartment to break the news to Bruce because they had received his missing persons report literally just hours before. So they go up. He's like pacing around. He still hasn't been sleeping. He's just like pacing around, worrying about her. So police go and knock on the door and he opens the door and they are shocked. Like have their guns drawn, like uh, handcuffs out, ready to arrest this guy because he's covered in blood, like absolutely drenched in it. So after this like panic and the blunt news that police were like, your wife's dead. I'm sure you already know that asshole. You're covered in blood. Right. He's like trying, like 
trying to like get them to talk to him. They're like trying to arrest him. He finally is able to explain that he has a medical condition that causes his nose to profusely bleed when he's stressed out or like when his blood pressure gets high. But police are like, yeah, nice try bullshit. And they take some tests, like samples of the blood and they go test it against him. And uh, Arla says, and it he was right. Like it was all oh his blood. God, there wasn't how unlucky. I know. Right. Like how awful is that? So he even passes a polygraph test. So now police are like, we're back at square one. We have no idea where to even start. Like who would be after her? The only other potential suspect that there is that they knew of at the time was the security guard. No, the security guard, which is Stephen Crawford, who had found the body. So police brought him in for questioning and explained that on the night of her murder, uh, he had gone into the church and announced that he'd be locking the doors at 12, 10 a.m., like I said before. And then he was a little behind schedule. However, he like looked around, just like sweeped over and didn't see anyone. So he just shut the doors and left. He says he then returned at 2 a.m. to just make sure that all the doors were locked, and they were, and there was not an issue with any of the doors until he returned until 5.30 a.m. when he found the back door broken out of. He took and passed a polygraph test, so police were just like, all right, kind of like defeated because these are really the only two people that they could even think of as, you know, possible suspects. But that is until... The crime scene investigators find something while investigating. So a few uh, pews near where she was found, there was a pillow that had tons of semen on it, like fresh semen. Oh, my God. Yeah. And one of the candles that they had found had a partial palm print. So they're like, okay, perfect. Like, this will really rule out Bruce and Stephen Crawford. So they test them both against Stephen Crawford, not the semen because DNA wasn't a thing at this point. They test the palm print against Stephen Crawford and Bruce Perry. However, neither of them were a match. So they're like, what the hell? Like, what do we even do at this point? Which is when the medical examiner that performed Arliss's autopsy came back with her time of death. And it was just after midnight, like minutes. So she was either killed and like drug away from the area that she was whenever the man came in and like the security guard came and checked or it was right after he left and she had been like basically held down or something whenever he came in so that also means that her and her killer were in the church when the security guard locked up and came back the two times when her um, came back the first time when her husband was banging on the doors and when the police were outside searching. So police began questioning all because, the couple. Wait, the door wasn't broken into in the back when police were there. Right? No, and not when he came at his two o'clock search. OK, so police are like, let's go question people that just remotely knew them. So the couple's like friends from like classes, from Bruce's classes and the co-workers, which is when they find out that her co-worker at the law office had a lead for them. So just uh, the day before her murder, like literally 24 hours, okay? A man came by the office and visited Arliss. It was a blonde man in his like early 20s and they just like talked for a little bit. He was like leaning over and like kind of flirting with her. But the woman just assumed like, oh, that was her husband that she talks about and didn't really think much of it until her funeral when she realized like that's not her her husband. husband. 
So the police are like, okay, this is an awesome lead, which is when they put two and two together about the blonde man that had walked in that the couple saw right before the church closed. However, this man was never identified and never came forward to police. Like, ever. This is just like a random person. Oh, my God. Yes. So, naturally, the case goes cold. So, years and years go by. Bruce Perry actually earned his MD and PhD from Northwestern University and completed his residency in 84 to 87 in psychiatry at Yale University School of Medicine and did his fellowship in child and adolescent psychiatry. Psychiatry. Sorry, I can't say that word. Um, at the University of Chicago, he remarried and had children of his own, and now has grandchildren of his own. Are from, you about to tell me this case is unsolved? Hold on, hold on. Um, I will fuck from, you up. from 1993 to 2001, Bruce was the Thomas S. Tram Tramell. Uh, Tremel. Thank you. <laughs> um, uh, research professor for site. What is the word again? Psychiatry. There we go. Um, at Baylor College of Medicine and the chief of psychiatry at Texas Children's Hospital. Wow. He is one of the uh, leads of children trauma at the Tr- Children Trauma Academy in Houston with his clinical research and practice focusing on examining the long-term effects of trauma in children, adolescents, and adults and how trauma changes the biology of the brain. Wow. And according to ABC... He could have really helped my case. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, really, really could have. <laughs> look into um, that. According to ABC, Dr. Perry served as a consultant and expert witness on many high-profile incidents involving traumatized children, including the 1999 Columbine High School wow. Massacre, the 1995 Oklahoma City bombing, the 1993 Waco siege, and the 2008 Yearning of Zion Ranch raid. Um, in the custody cases that followed, which I never heard of that. We need to cover that. Dude, it's like culty as shit. Oh, it's yes. scary. It's so up your alley. Okay. It's I'll like cover it. so good. You I, when I read this, I was like, I should send this to her now, but it might give it away what I'm doing. Um so his neurosequential I'm not a medical person. Neurose- neurosequential. Yes. Um, thank you. Uh model of therapeutics is currently the working model used by the Youthville's Trauma Recovery Center in Wichita, Kansas. Um, but the security guard that we talked about this whole time, Stephen Crawford, he didn't do so hot in the aftermath of this. Oh. In 1992, he was Poor arrested oh, for <laughs> stealing artifacts from Stanford's campus. But the story isn't over oh, yet, thank people. God. Uh, I just wanted to give you a little break. So um, years after Crawford's arrest in 2016, some detectives were like looking back on this case, right? And they wanted to re-interview him. So they bring him in, they sit him down, they re-interview him. And Bruce throughout- or the security guard? Uh, Crawford, the security okay. guard. So they're like going over this whole entire process with him. Just, you know, typical, like kind of like reopening a cold case. Okay. Yeah. And he's like being so sketchy, like to put it in the best words possible. Like he's just being weird, like flinching, like acting like he's going to get caught at any second. And so they're like, this body language is not right. So this goes on for like 2016, 2017. Well, in 2018, they're like, oh my God, we still have the semen sample from 1974. 
And what we have now that we didn't have then is DNA. Exactly. So at this point, like I said, it's 2018, and they decided to test it against Stephen Crawford. And it was a match. Shut up. And June on June 28th, 2018, police arrived at Crawford's apartment in San Jose, California, 20 miles away from Stanford University. And this is the first time that they actually pull up at his place with an arrest and search warrant. So they knock on the door and the typical like knock, 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 police open up style. Mm -hmm. And Crawford's like, hold on, let me get dressed. But police are like, fuck no. So they bust this bitch down. They like rip the door off the hinges. Okay. So like SWAT team style, they enter. You know what I'm talking about? Like you see in movies. Mm -hmm. And it's like a super tiny apartment. So they're like looking around and they go straight from like the bedroom to the back room where his bedroom is. And they see him holding a pistol. So they rush back, like running out because it's so tiny that they don't even have a place to like take cover if he starts firing at them, which is when they hear just one shot. Oh, my God. He killed himself. Mm -hmm. They reenter and they found that he had committed suicide on his bed. And since then, this case has been marked closed. However, around the same time that Arliss was murdered before and after, there were multiple cases of women being murdered on this campus, not in like the way that she was, but there were just like open cases that were cold so they tried to connect him to them but i cannot find anything else on these i don't know what cases they are i don't know if he was ever connected oh my god he was a serial killer yeah like i wonder if he was a serial killer like how crazy is that holy shit but i do want to mention that i do have a few theories okay okay can't wait to hear them so that's the end of the the truth of the case okay? okay so I'm just going to get into some stuff that I dug up on um, because once I got into this, it's I was like going like, on to Reddit. Yeah, literally. <laughs> I got on to Reddit. I like started watching like bits and pieces of these documentaries because I was like, why is all these like sources talking about the son of Sam? Like, I don't understand. Yeah. Wait, I was wondering that, too. Exactly. Yeah. So I, I was just like, I'm not understanding this. I mean, you literally Google her name and those are like the first seven Google searches that come up. So... I'm going to start from the basics and then we're going to get there. So number one, let's say that Stephen Crawford, the security guard, didn't do it. All right. Um, Maybe let's just say when he saw the body, it like got him off Uh and he was like masturbating before calling the police. Or maybe he was like masturbating in the church before he opened it. And then that's when he like noticed the body. Yep. And then called the police and just forgot about the pillow because he was like so panicked. Because we still have that palm print to think about, which never was connected to him. But again, that could be from like anybody, anybody just touching an altar candle. Okay, so let's move on from that. Number two, when her parents received the letters that had been she had mailed right before she was murdered in the letter, she was talking about which this is something that she did a lot was reaching out to local satanic cults Mm. to see if she could come minister to them. And some people think that because of the position of her body and the weird, like, significance of it, uh-huh. that Symbolism. this was a satanic ritual and them, like, getting back at her. Oh, my God. Which leads me to the sons of Sam. Okay? Holy shit. I'm not even talking about just one, the OG son of Sam. So it's said that David Berkowitz, the serial killer who dubbed himself son of Sam in the 1977 New York killing spree, that he didn't work alone because he was a part of a satanic cult. Uh-huh. Okay. So he 
they said that he was involved in these cults, specifically one that was in San Jose, California. So Lieutenant Terry Gardner, the deputy sheriff for Ward County, North Dakota, gets a book sent to him from David Berkowitz, son of Sam. And the name of it is Anatomy. Is that how you say Anatomy? Anatomy. Is that how you say? Anatomy. Atom- <laughs> anatomy. Okay, Anatomy. All right. Anatomy of Witchcraft. Okay. Um, and inside the book was a photo of people participating in like devil worship. But also inside the book was a handwritten note from Berkowitz. And it read, all caps, Arliss Perry hunted stalked and slain followed to california stanford university i have chills so yeah that's the case of arliss perry oh my god yeah and you're right the way her body was portrayed is very like it has it has some symbolism to it yeah and so so I want to ask so, you guys, should I cover Son of Sam next week? Yeah. Just to do it? Yes. yes so yes, no yes, Christmas yes. stories. Is there okay with yeah, that? no Christmas stories. I'm not going to tell you about the ghost of Christmas past. And I, I just, I don't love doing like, okay, I'm going to do a murder around the time of Christmas because then I feel like kind of, I don't know. Like, yeah. We're not doing anything themed this year. Yeah. No, sorry. Sorry to break it to you guys, but. So we're not doing Deck the Halls with Creeps and Crimes. Fa la la la. Deck the Halls with Creeps and Crimes. Fa la 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 la. That's all you get. It's the season to be creepy. Fa la 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 la. Oh my God. So good. Wait. So, yeah, that's crazy. Okay. Yeah. Do Son of Sam. Okay. I think I have. I can't believe I haven't covered it. Yeah. Me neither. I guess it was because it was real hot, like not too long ago on Netflix, which is probably why we strayed away from it because we always tend to do that. Whenever something comes out like y'all like, know about it already right you don't want to hear it again for the 18th time from a different person's voice you right know? so i might do it next week but i have like two more that i really wanted to do but Wait, i want to do the zion ranch i dude we i'm should, not we should turn culty we, december people are like culty month what are y'all doing it's like totally like a religious time I like know, all these we holidays have, like really like went crazy religious today we were like totally we're totally going to hell like yeah. totally sorry i mean someone's got to talk about it our daughters will have to repent our sins <laughs> shut the f up <laughs> right now we're at the end of the episode shut the fuck up okay shut the fuck up oh my god oh my god but yeah that was a crazy case. Isn't that crazy and i find so it- do you think her or do you think bruce like still um kept up with the case so i think he did i think he was in the 2016 like re-interviews of just like them like going over everything mm-hmm. again and I, I want to assume that he's been like heavily involved in it considering his like studies that he does you know what i mean yeah. like ooh, he did a great job like he really came out on the good end of that yeah that that's really hard to come out i mean he's like a like famous that. doctor now uh-huh. like literally like i just the combine like Oh, that was another thing. I was like, maybe I should do that. Any of those that I listed, you know? Yeah. So. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Whenever we turn off this episode, because I don't want to give away like everything that I just found about that, but the ranch, but you're going to die whenever I show you this shit. Because I was like, I I literally stopped myself from reading because I was like, no, I can't read anymore because Morgan needs to do this. Oh, I love this episode. This was a good 
awful, scary episode, it and it's dedicated really to Camden. Fucked up. Yes, happy <laughs> birthday, Cam. Happy this birthday. one's for you, baby. <laughs> Hope you loved it. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> he's like, um, please don't ever. He's do like, that please again. don't ever dedicate a satanic <laughs> cult murder and a possession for me. Like, okay, sorry. Love you, Oh, God. Yeah, happy birthday, Camden. Numero uno. What's his Instagram? Um, At Not uh, Jersey? Not Jersey. That's what it is. It used yeah. to be at Official Cam. Yeah, What's go check that? him out. He's, um first off, fashion. He's got some Christmas songs, too. Yeah, Christmas you guys songs. can check that out if you're in Fashion Christmas is 10 music. out of 10 always. Yeah, he's always a good dresser. Not like yeah. Jersey. Yeah, not like Jersey. That's what it is. Yeah. I always want to be like, Jersey Mike's? Like- <laughs> not like Jersey Mike's, but kind of. <laughs> yeah. Um, anyways, that's our episode for today. So happy birthday, Camden. Um, I know. I'm on here. I'm literally like not even paying attention. I'm looking at his Instagram story because they just look like they're having a grand old time Aww. out in Los Angeles. Is that like a private little car right See, now? He just lives a crazy life, okay? Okay. Well, I think we have to go and visit. Yeah. I think we do. Okay. I think so, too. Let us know, Cam. All right. All right. Love um, you, bitches. Love you guys. Bye-bye. Um, happy holidays. I can't get it to turn off. <laughs>